Good morning, Bob Harris. What's good about it? Oh, right. There were a lot of points scored. That was great. What a what a Sunday of action, Matt Wallman. That was a that was insane. Football. Uh, I, I put out a nice tweet. A little hashtag analysis. Football is crazy, yo. Yeah, uh, it is, man. It's just it, it is. You know, it's crazy when Andrew Beck, a tight end out of <laughs> Texas, who played at Denver and New England. Well, New England then Denver, and now is a fullback. Muffs a kickoff and then returns the thing across the the width and length of the field, <clears throat> and a crazy victory over the heavily favored Jaguars. Am I right? Am I right? You 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 are right. I, I want to ask you a quick question because I've been talking about this uh, a lot, you know, in the last few days. You know, and I'm getting in arguments with people, and, and you'll be surprised to learn people have uh, strong points of view in this industry. Well, but but like you know, we're sitting here and we're starting players that you know that haven't played well the first two weeks uh, over players who have played demonstrably well the first two weeks where are you at on the playing your studs i mean is this a something you must do or are you like okay saying look jamar chase's circumstances aren't great this week and puka nakua's are maybe i could think about playing puka nakua over jamar chase in a game are you I, there yeah i've never believed in starting your studs i just believe in like looking at what's going on and <laughs> and doing the best you can with the situation your studs identify themselves for you and like the guys you invested in to be your studs don't the whole reason yeah. we're playing those guys i think is because we fear missing out on the big game that we know is coming and it is coming and you might miss it but that doesn't mean you're going to get a horrible game from the guy you're plugging in to cover until you do get it i mean yeah. you know if anyone started josh jacobs last night thinking this was the week sorry you probably should have played Kyron Williams. If the data, if the data, meaning the <clears> film <throat> or whatever method of, of information you're taking leads you down a path that you feel is worthwhile early on in the season, give it a shot. You know, by week shot. six, week seven, you're probably going to know who's good. And right. it, unless they're, unless they're a rookie quarterback, then you might, then you might start to see kind of the defenses adjusting, you know, the, you know, ask Baker Mayfield, like Drew Lock, all those guys. I feel like this like is that. an attack on C.J. Stroud, and I'm not here for that. Well, I like C.J. Stroud, but we'll see how that goes. We'll yeah. see how it goes. All right, that was it. That was that was yeah. all. Yeah. Well, what about Devin A. Chain? You feeling him? I, think I can play yards, him. I think eleven point two yards per carry. <laughs> I'm feeling him. And, and look, I saw some of this game, and I can verify. Uh, my own eyes saw he ran up the middle on some of those carries. I was told he could not do that. That's a lie. Uh, no, uh, yeah, he, look, this offense is, you know, hitting on all cylinders. And, uh, you know, not to be a little Denver, they haven't played great defense for a couple of weeks, but this is more than somebody not playing great defense. This is a good scheme that's making great use of all its playmakers. And, uh, and Devin A. Chain is now one of those playmakers. He is clearly on the list. I, I think he's a, he's a playable commodity now from henceforth. In terms of long speed, he's the fastest player yeah. on the Dolphins team. And that's that's saying to start a something. Fight with Tyreek Hill. Yeah, that's saying something. I mean, right there. So, you, you know, you got to look at it this way. A chain is when you talk about running up the middle. He did do a good job with some plays up the middle. He certainly knows how to get his pads low and to be able to churn out some additional yardage. Also, there was a good sign that when he came in at 188, that he had already gained some more weight and he was in the mid 190s. Um, by the time training camp started, if he can hold on to that, that'll be a good thing too. Um, but really, you look at that Dolphin scheme, when you see something gaudy like, you know, let's say eight yards per carry, even though, you know, he's at 11, or let's say six yards per carry, it's probably a good idea with the, as many touches that Devin A. Chain even had, that it's a scheme-oriented thing. When you look at that scheme, 
what's so awesome about it is that they are creating scenarios with a lot of play fakes and motion to generate essentially punt returns and kick returns for running backs in the same way that Cordero Patterson had that outlier season right. for the Falcons and he, they're running a lot of toss plays to him and creating that type of look. They're doing it with even more slow developing things where you're getting backside linemen who are getting downhill and working across the field 10 yards in front of the line of scrimmage before A-Chain even turns the corner five yards behind the line of scrimmage. So and, that's and a helpful, big deal. It's helpful to have the uh, guy who would claim he's the fastest guy on the roster, yep. uh, keeping opposing defenses honest and, uh, you know, and, and, and having effective playmakers at every level, right? I mean, yeah. it, it, and, and by the way, they were without Jalen Waddle in this game. Who, who might who might have a good argument on any given day that he's the fastest guy on the roster. And when you're, when you're slowest, when you, when your backup receiver is chosen Anderson, who was also pretty fast, you know, still pretty fast in his own right. I mean, he could be the fastest receiver on a lot of teams still. So yeah, Devin a chain, he's here to stay for at least the next month. Let's put and, it that and, way. And let's say, how about Raheem Mostert? <laughs> I am totally feeling Mostert. I have been all along until, you know, until Jeff Wilson comes back and and maybe, you know, and like all due respect to Raheem Mostert, they're very similar players, and I'm guessing they'll split it up. H.A.'s role seems likely to remain, and maybe Mostert gets chopped up to some degree or his health dictates that it's diminished. But right now, Raheem Mostert is a must-start. He's me. also yep. one of the fastest guys on the yes. team. So that's a little different from old Jeffrey Wilson. But still, I, I feel you, they're both – guys who can bang it um, and be a little bit more powerful. You Really what you're looking at here is until defenses look at what the Miami Dolphins are doing, opposing defensive corners and figure out ways to stop some of the, the you know, scheme implementations or some of the fun plays that they're executing right now, like dealing with that motion, dealing with all the different play fakes. Really my hint to you is follow the pulling guard, you know, <laughs> Generally, that's a good start, but the problem is, is that it's not just the pulling guard with the Miami Dolphins. They're pulling a lot of different people and using motion and ways to um, distract teams from just focusing on one thing. So it might be a while, hint, next year after a Super Bowl run, you know, if things keep up like this. Um, Doing a great job of protecting Tua also, who, by the way, is falling better. Yes. Good for him. Good for him. I, I'll say this: If you listen to me on Tua, you were you were fucked because I basically said I'm projecting him to miss at least I think four games this year, and I I don't like to predict injury, but you know I looked I mean, at the past couple years and just felt like you got to you got to look at it from that perspective. I've been making the argument, and, and it struck me when I saw Anthony Richardson fall and bounce his head off the the ground. You know, it, it strikes me that if you're investing, making that kind of investment in a quarterback that you are, and it's what quarter billion dollars so is, it's a starting point these days for a franchise quarterback. I don't know, pay an hourly guy to come teach him how to fall. I mean, there, yeah. you know, there's people, I mean, you know, I think the way Tua went about it, jujitsu is, is a great way. I mean, you're just, you're falling, rolling, just how to take a blow and accept it. Like boxers get hit how many times in the head uh, over the course of time? And, and you know, they're not removed for concussions, right? They may get them, but they, I mean, they know how to roll with blows. And and I think teaching a, a, someone who's taking those kind of shots, how to how to mitigate those shots is probably a good idea. Hollywood stuntmen could probably get into a sideline too, you know, I mean, considering they get thrown downstairs. So, yep. which is about the equivalent of 
what happens in games sometimes. So yeah, I I I love that point. So what about Jerome Ford? You know, we're on the other end of the spectrum here a little bit with those other two backs, <laughs> but he did score twice. As long as he scores the touchdowns, nobody's going to pay attention to that two yards of carry that he's put up. <laughs> like, take away the long run, and I get it. You can't take away the long run in that in, in the last game. You can't take it away. But if you did, I mean, he was getting about two yards of carry, which is I think he got slightly less than that in this, but he's getting the touchdowns. My feeling on him is the Browns already told us their choice. You know, I know Kareem Hunt's there, but it's, uh, you know, it's not because they wanted him there. They already decided they wanted Jerome Ford. That could change over time. I think right now they're kind of committed to Jerome Ford and letting him be the lead back. And if Kareem Hunt gets some work behind him, uh, we'll see where that goes. But for now, it seems like uh, the Browns are, you know, have, have signaled this since they let Kareem Hunt go. They, they think Jerome Ford's the guy talking to people on the ground. Talk to Fred Greetham of the Orange and Brown Report. He's basically said the same thing. That's that they've they've revealed their hand with the, you know so uh so we'll see how it goes i'm not like super enthusiastic about what i've seen outside the touchdowns but i'm hoping for better i i liked what i saw in the film i'll put it that way i you know maybe maybe it wasn't efficient for everybody but there were some tough runs there and and honestly i just think that you're looking at some situations where um with ford Maybe it's a little bit easier for defenses to see or play what they, you know, guess what the the Browns are going to do a little bit. Um, But, you know, that may be changing because Deshaun Watson, um, they spread the field a fair bit this week. And Deshaun Watson did tell the sideline reporters that he's been Mm -hmm. lobbying um, to Kevin Stefanski for a year now that he would like to see them use more spread alignments rather than all these compressed alignments that have been like the specialty of Stefanski's scheme. Um, which Nick Chubb out, it seems like they're going towards that. And Deshaun Watson looked better this week. He looked that, better. He, but but he had to look better because he couldn't have looked much worse than he did <laughs> yeah. the first two games. So I'm not willing to go all in on him. I felt like the first two games were so bad that he looked so out of sorts that could it all just be the scheme? Could this just be the fact that he did what he should have done against a uh, a matchup that he should have taken advantage of, right? Yeah. The Titans haven't been slowing down many passers. So I'm hoping that it's a sign that he's taking a step forward. I remain a little bit skeptical. I get that. I think I'm, I'm, I'll say I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah. Same same thing coming yeah. from the different so- side of the coin. There. If you're invested, you have to be encouraged. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're just feeling Kerm Dudgeon-y right now. I know yeah, it, Bob yeah. Ayers, but... Jared Goff, does he does he bring out the Kerm Dudgeon in you? I mean, he looked pretty good. He had one interception that should have been taken out. But are, are are you there? Are you in on him as a quarterback one in fantasy leagues? I think we should, probably should be right. I think we, you know, uh, it's funny how the perception has followed him that you know Sean McVay's probably his own failures led him to get rid of a quarterback who is doing a pretty good job for him, and now that quarterback is doing a pretty good job at the next stop, and basically because he's a pretty good quarterback especially at home i mean you know there's no denying the numbers at home but but i think overall i think any given week if i had to play jared goff i, I could think of worse he's got great weapons an aggressive offensive play caller and uh and when all the pieces are there i'm excited to see what it's going to look like but for right now yeah i'm fine playing yeah and he figures out the blitz pretty well that was one of yes. the big things that people were you know i think sean mcveigh was probably leaking a little bit and saying some things about him that weren't either were true at the time and no longer true now. But I'll say this. I studied Jared Goff at Cal, and I thought one of the most redeeming qualities about his game was how he handled pressure. 
the way he would stand in, the way that he would um, bait pressure and make sudden moves. And then it looked like he forgot how to do that with the Rams. There's that Miami game from a few years ago where they just kept bringing um, heavy pressure and he looked like a deer in headlights. But I think that there was something more to that story a little bit. And so, you know, Jared, Jared Goff, looking at how he's handled the blitz and, and how he's handled things overall, I think you could do a lot worse than Goff as your starter. And so I'm feeling him. Daniel Jones, is he one of those guys you, that you could be doing a lot worse, or does it just depend on the week? I feel like this is a personal attack. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Is his middle name Harris, Bob? That's what I need to know. Is his name no, Daniel no, Harris? No, he is not. He is not that's a, a very not a, Duke kind of not, name right there. He's not part of my my tribe, but that's okay. I you know will honorarily uh, anoint him as a. I'd look. He, he it's it, there's there's reason to be concerned at the moment, right? Uh, number one, Daniel, when you're throwing to Darren Waller, try to throw accurate passes, or at least passes that are more catchable than the ones you're throwing at the current point in time. He's going to be double covered and he needs your help, young man. That said, uh, <clears throat> there's always going to be the rushing equity. He is not a desired play right now. I mean, especially with Saquon Barkley out, it's going to be tough sledding uh, for the next few weeks. And, uh, you know, I thought something Jordan Ronan wrote from ESPN was real, was, was on point. He said, you know, they're, you're going to hear talk that Barkley wants to come back this week. Barkley's not going to come back this week, nor should he come back this week. He shouldn't come back probably. He'll end up being out like a month, and that's probably uh, seems about right. And it's going to be a struggle for this offense. I, I don't. I'm. I'm not. I'm not excited. So if you had needs to move on or found a player you needed to get plug in ahead of him, I'd be fine with it. I think over the course of the season he'll be more than serviceable. But right now he's probably not. Yeah, if he makes it through the next month, you know, because in terms of intact because he get, did get pressured a, a good deal uh, a good bit and the throws there were two throws that he had to waller in particular that were wide open in single coverage um that he missed blatantly mainly because he had to rush the throw yep. um <clears throat> one he rushed and he had time to reset and he should have the second one he actually he had time and he just panicked because He's been he had been pressured so much that it got to him like any quarterback. I yeah. mean, there are very few quarterbacks that you put that much pressure on. They're um, eventually they're going to start seeing ghosts and they're going to start throwing inaccurate balls. And that's what happened with Daniel Jones. Now, at the same time, you've got Jimmy Garoppolo, who I think that he just sees dead people. Um, so you, I don't care know. who he sees, other than Devontae Adams. Yeah, well, that's a little bit of Jacoby Myers. That that's fine with that, but I'd like him to see more people and other that are alive. You know, and because he's seeing dead people, the Haley Joel Osmond, a quarterback, says, you know, I don't horrible. Know. Yeah, horrible. but he looks good for TV. I'm sure he's yes, going to he be he's going to be a commentator one day. That or a porn star. I don't know which. You know. Um, you know, I thought he was already into that kind of stuff. I, from what I heard, rumor has it. I don't it. know. Rumor has it. Who knows? Um, where are we at? Joshua Dobbs. We go from the porn. We go from the porn star to the aerospace engineer, the rocket scientist. <clears throat> he looked pretty good. He looked. It was a good game, right? It, <laughs> it feels. It feels like. It feels like a trap. <laughs> it feels like a trap. Start your studs. No. <laughs> a couple, couple, couple of thoughts here. Like, you know, I was really, uh, you know, watching that little video that came out of Gannon giving his fiery speech and nobody feeling very fiery about it. Uh, I thought was like, man, that's not a good sign. I'm going to go ahead and say this team is playing hard. Their defense has been playing hard every game. The offense is starting to come together and showing signs. 
Uh, they ran the ball really well and, and took a lot of pressure. And they, you know, they're, they, they did some unique things, like with Rondell Moore running as a running back, you know, just lining up straight up as a running back, which I've kind of not been a Rondell Moore guy. Uh, you know, felt like Andy Isabella too, and and like another whiff, but maybe maybe they'll they'll cobble together some ways to use him. But in general, Joshua Dobbs is keeping the offense. Uh, in this game, kept the offensive schedule. That has not been the case the entire season. Uh, and there have been times where he's been there like maybe half the game. Oh, those were the first two weeks. Um, so I don't know. I you know again, I feel like this might be a little bit of a trap that we're going to run towards it. And just like maybe Zach Ertz was a little bit of a trap. <laughs> you know, the two big PPR games and then. Uh, nothing this week, uh, but but look, if there it's it look this Cowboys week looks are a tough defense. This, right, I, I mean I don't want to be dismiss. I'm trying to walk the fine line of being dismissive and not being dismissive uh, because the, the, it is it's a very tough game, and uh, the Cowboys had some issues of their own with their offensive line, uh, and I'm not going to sit here and say that Trayvon Diggs being gone is why you know made a big difference because I think they have depth in their secondary. It's obviously not that guy, but. Uh, still, they, you know, this just seems like an outlier game to me. So I'm not going to put too much into it, but it is encouraging if you're a Cardinals fan for sure. Okay, I'm, I'll just make it quick. I'm feeling, I'm feeling Joshua Dobbs as an NFL replacement quarterback. Fuck him as a fantasy guy. He will support go. a fantasy guy or two with some plays, and he will Marquise get you Brown. some yardage. He will certainly get you some yardage with his legs, especially against overzealous safeties like Donovan Wilson, who fucked up a couple of times on some plays where he he poked his head about five steps too far to the inside, at least on a couple of big runs. Um, Rondale Moore, I'm going to get back. To, I, let's go back to him because I'll say fuck it with Rondale Moore too. Totally. I've, I've thought about dropping him for about three weeks from a dynasty squad, the only, the only squad where I've even had him because I – the whole idea, even back in his rookie days, where people were saying he's a contested th- catch threat, he's the next Steve Smith type of player, and I'm like, <clears> fuck <throat> that, I haven't seen that. And then I saw someone use video evidence of a practice play of a back shoulder fade, where he didn't even have much contact at all. It wasn't even what you would call a jump back type of play to go get. It was just running under a ball with tight coverage, and they were using that as evidence for, for that. Like that's like. That's like that, you know. If you're gonna get compare him to Steve Smith, it would be kind of like saying that um, <clears throat> someone who fought off um, a, a toddler with a with a rubber like with a foam baseball bat is on the level of Steve Smith, who like beat the crap out of like Terrell Suggs in the locker room or something. You know, I mean, that's my, let's my- not go there. My, so if I was sitting here today and I had a, a dynasty roster, and I had to decide between Rondale Moore and Michael Wilson. It wouldn't even be a hard decision for me. Not, not at all, because Moore Moore isn't even a running back. I mean, that was a huge open run for him, and that was great. And I love the idea of using him situationally like that. But he's Tavon Austin part two um, at this stage until they figure out how to use him downhill. The, the biggest problem is that they try to use him like he's going to be the answer to the, to what Miami's doing with their plays that move east-west. Stop using Rondale more east-west. You don't have enough speed elsewhere to force defenses to respect other people. Uh, and so they're just going to pay attention to more over and over again. Let him get downhill and work downhill. He's better that way. 
So what about James Conner? Are you feeling him even though? I've been feeling him all year long. You know I was drafting yeah, him heavily. Yeah, I Conner looking, guy. As long as, he, as long as he's in the lockdown upright position, he's going to be very good. He does what he does. He's super effective He's at running the football, it turns out. And uh, and uh, just has a good sense for the creases and seems to know what he's doing and uh, super competent and a very tough man. I love him. I love him. I love him even more that now he's no longer a Steeler. And I love it that Steelers <laughs> folks like my buddy Cecil Lammy and Sigmund Bloom were like, ah, Whoa. James Conner, forget him. We're glad he's gone. He's not that good. Yeah. Suck it, Yenzers. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so every I, I want James Conner to play till he's 120. You know, just so you know, just to, to rub it into my Steelers brethren. But no, he <laughs> looks good. Keontae Ingram, like I'll say, good cutback runner when yep. he gets opportunities to actually have something that's blocked. Um yeah. but he hasn't seen much that's blocked. So fuck no. him right now, but I'm fuck feeling him, right him as a as a, a handcuff. handcuff. Yeah. For absolutely. sure. Absolutely. All right. Rico Dowdle, though, are you are, are you feeling Rico Dowdle in the same capacity? Maybe even a little more appealing, or nah? A uh, handcuff is it, right? I mean, he had a nice run or two, maybe. Um, one that, that I one was definitely a really nice run. Um, <clears throat> they are all in on Tony Pollard and uh, last year's narrative that he must have a limited role in order to be most successful has gone out the window. They no longer believe that. Whether it's, We'll find out whether it's true or not over the course of the season. Yeah. Uh, maybe they're wrong about it. But right now, they're piling him the work high on his plate, and he's delivering to a relatively good degree. He's pounded up the middle. He, he, looks, like a, he looks like a damn feature back, if I'm not, if I'm, if I, if I'm not mistaken. No it way. looks good. No yeah. way. I Yep, totally agree with that. But I'm adding Rico Doddle in a lot of leagues right <laughs> yep. now where running back opportunities are sparse because – it could just be any one play, especially with three linemen out last week. So so let's take a look at how about Derrick Henry? Was this just an anomaly game or are you worried about him? You know, if I if I if I said I wasn't slightly worried, I'd be lying, but I'm not like overly worried. It's like like I'm to the point where I'm like considering taking him out of lineups like I maybe am with like Josh Jacobs, but maybe I should. Maybe one more game and I will be considering him. And maybe it will depend on you know, the options, maybe in the leagues where I have them, I don't have the kind of options that have risen up in, in some cases, the Brian Robinson Juniors. I mean, if you're sitting here <clears throat> every week deciding, Brian Robinson Jr. looks like a, a real running back, everybody. <clears throat> Gets a good workload, does something with it, has good vision, runs with power, uh, runs through tough matchups, etc. cetera. Uh, Kyron Williams, a guy that's getting this intense workload. If you don't have guys that have risen up your ranks, you're still sticking with uh, the Derrick Henrys and Josh Jacobs of the world for right now. Uh, but I need, I need to see a little more pretty soon or I'm going to be very, become impatient. Like, you know, <clears throat> the, the the heavy snap shares for Ty, Ty J Spears have been, you know, maybe more worrisome than one bad game. I would say that's more worrisome if you were counting on Derrick Henry to be an elite running back one. Right. Um, but I think you didn't he's... have to draft him like that, right? No, I mean, you, you were drafting him. Yeah. yeah. And I believe you can draft him at his, I believe he's playing, he's going to play at his value of where you drafted him even with Tajay Spears. And the big reason is that the Browns' defense is probably one of yes. the two best defenses in the league when it comes to stopping the run. They put Grant Delpit up in there doing the Troy Polamalu type of thing. can't believe I just referenced the Steeler in an admirable way. But, hey, there we are. You know, he, he did a great job with that. They filled a lot of <laughs> gaps. They diverted Derrick Henry from getting downhill or even going in the initial direction he wanted to go. And when you can do that and have multiple bodies on him, 
he ain't doing shit. Right. And that's basically Jim, Jim what Jim Schwartz is a pretty is a pretty sharp cookie. It turns out. Oh yeah, he just lets he as the as the Browns player said. We feel like we're getting to play without our seatbelts on. Right. You know, and that's a that's a dangerous thing for defenders because they don't like seatbelts anyway. Um, so this is a this is a really good development, and I would just say that when you look at the rest of the schedule, Titans are going to be okay. I think in terms of they're they're not going to be great against they're not going to be good against good teams like really good defenses. But they're going to be fine against average to slightly below right. average, even, and they got and, enough of them on the schedule. And they need they need to run the football because they can't they can't throw for starters. Also, they can't stop other offenses from throwing the football. They can stop other offenses from running. So if they need to, they just need to be on the field, and that's going to be Derrick Henry's going to be the key to that. So, so, so you're saying fuck DeAndre Hopkins, or is he, is he an I mean, exception to the rule? He's not an exception to the rule, but he has enough of a role that you can play him. I hope he gets healthy at some point. Um, but you know, if you're if you're if you need this passing attack to carry you to victories in fantasy football, <laughs> you probably made wrong choices. Yeah, you probably did. You know, um, and when you look at when you look at Hopkins thus far, I mean, we're looking at you know at his game logs. It hasn't been all that impressive. You know, Target share the plays. Yeah, the plays have been impressive that he's made, but that's the problem. Is that it's just not an it's just not enough conversion <laughs> to some of those plays. So, yep, I would say for now he's on your bench. You know, fuck it until further notice. He's um, kind of like a, he's in he's in Drake London territory with me. He's a decision at, at a wide receiver three. I'm hoping I have better choices. That makes sense. Russell Wilson feeling any better about him even <laughs> with that 70 point shellacking? I think the 70 point shellacking makes me feel better about him. The last two weeks make me feel better about him. If the Denver's not going to play any defense, he's going to throw the ball a hell of a lot. And I, I'm all about that. And he runs a fair amount. I mean, he, you know, he's not a quarterback one, but if you're in a pinch, my weeks are coming, people, uh, he might be able to help you out. Yeah, I thought he looked pretty good, actually. And and if uh, Cortland Sutton didn't drop a couple drop. of <laughs> a, a couple of opportunities, Fumbles. they might have been a little closer at halftime. And maybe the, this would have been a, a bit of a different game. Probably not oh, yeah. um, with the, that defense, but the the offense might not have been as deflated, and that might have kept it uh, <clears throat> um, interesting for a little while. So, what say you about this receiving core? Cortland Sutton, Marvin Mims. You you feeling you feeling anything about either of these guys? I think Marvin Mims is a player I would like to have on rosters because at some point Sean Payton's going to figure out the benefits of of unleashing him. And he looks like the playmaking option uh, on this receiving core with all, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, I've never been a big Jerry Judy person. I've been bigger on Cortland Sutton. And I think Cortland Sutton at least delivers to a degree. I mean, imperfect though he is. Um, he's that big body and it seems to have Russell Wilson's attention in the red zone. And that that's worth something. I don't know. I don't know about Cortland Sutton, but Marvin Mims is a, is a, looks like a tremendous playmaker who's going to, Who's going to be very impressive over the course of his career? Yeah, I think I think Marvin Mims will eventually be the primary or co-primary in this offense. Cortland Sutton, though, I I often bang on him for his uh, inability to use his hands in the optimal way and dropping passes or making things harder on himself than he should. Even the fumble he had was a result yep. of bad technique catching the ball and being out of control. He had a one-on-one -on -one against a linebacker on a slant that he should have caught the first time. And if he did, he wouldn't have had to um, fight the ball and fall over while he fought the ball. And that could have been a much bigger play. All that said, Cortland Sutton's a good enough receiver to be on your fantasy rosters. He's a good fantasy receiver and a good NFL receiver. He's just in a, 
in a role where they're expecting him to be a great NFL receiver and a great fantasy player. And he is not, and he probably never be. If I think you just called Jerry Judy a failure without calling him a failure. Wow. Are you, are you calling me out on Jerry Judy? I didn't even say his name. Wow. <laughs> that's why. That's, 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 it's like uh, calling him a failure by omission. Yeah, uh, I'm, still, I'm still okay with Judy, but he's. I always thought when people said he's the next Antonio Brown, I thought he was an aspiring Reggie Wayne, and he's still aspiring right now. We'll put it he's that aspiring. way. There's a good point. Fair, yeah. I'll take that one. Okay. So Calvin Austin, big play. Big play, Austin. Like, uh, look, man, that's what he is. Uh, so until I see this offense producing enough big plays to fuel that fire, um, and I don't know that I'm going to take a single game against the Raiders as evidence that this <laughs> offense has turned a corner or anything. Um, <clears throat> I'll Are go the ahead Raiders and, the Jerry Judy of defenses? Is that what be. you're saying? Okay. <laughs> they might be. Max Crosby, I love you. You're a great man. But And, look, they have some good individual players, but as a unit, they're not uh, – they're not – like especially imposing so i'll just say like uh, calvin austin is an exciting player and he you know i thought i i I definitely caught my attention when he was making a you know in in last night's game but i don't i just don't know if there's enough meat on the bone for everybody there uh fantasy wise to satisfy those needs so he's a little bit of an outlier still for me yeah he is he's a he's a big roster kind of take a chance guy and see if if he can get more targets that's about all well i think you know i think well you know the half the appeal of him is the steelers this great history of identifying uh receiving talent right i mean they they have a knack for that yeah and, and you know what and i would agree with them and i think i have a knack for it sometimes so i would say i i'm a calvin austin fan long term short term yeah you're not you're looking to see now the thing that's fascinating to me is that there's a guy in in the texans who got drafted who has a lot of calvin austin skills um and he's getting opportunities and defenses are disrespecting him i would say fuck the jaguars for playing two safeties in the box with two cornerbacks playing wide you know playing outside shade and you run that's like that's basically someone screaming throw the post and they did. I don't. I don't, I don't want to go down the. I don't want to go down the Jaguars wormhole because they're doing many things that I don't approve of. Yeah. Well. Well. <laughs> I'm feeling Tank Dell, even though they, sure. he basically put, just put on tape that said, "Don't ever disrespect me again." And they did well, it twice in that game. Yeah, you know, we should pay attention to to players when quarterbacks say they have an affinity for that player too. Yeah. Just like you know, get him on the radar at least and start looking at him. And I I had a blind spot to Tank Dell, and I started. The only reason I noticed him was because because of the, the CJ Stroud, you know, having a connection to him. Otherwise, I would still probably not be paying attention to him and dismissing his great play as just uh, a fluke. But I think there's something uh, something to this, and I'll rewatch the games. But the parts I saw, he he looks like he's part of this offense. But and Nico Collins had a lousy game though too, so. Yeah, but you know it's interesting because Robert Woods, Robert Woods has been a nice little kind of utility, um, reliable route option that you would expect on third downs or as a check or as the third or second um, guy in the progression who's going to run the right route, be in the right spot on the outside. That's been good. They're trying to feed John Mechie in there, but Tank Dell, Tank <laughs> Dell is one of the three best open field runners from this draft class. The other two, and I'm not including Devin A. Chain in that, as good as he is. Um, the other two were Tajay Spears. Um, and then I'm trying to remember the other wide receiver that I had on that list. Uh, oh, Zay Flowers. So, you know, that's pretty heady comparison. Uh, uh, 
quickly here just yeah. because we're talking about some of these young wide receivers or we're just now learning as we speak the all the insiders are tweeting the same information at the same time uh mike williams M- mri confirmed it is a torn acl and he's done for the year uh get your quentin johnston on fuck that get your josh josh palmer for right now <laughs> or Ger- more gerald one. everett or, yeah. Last year was more general than ever. Yeah. We'll see if a Palmer, the, yeah. You're going to see more for Quentin Johnston. So if you can't get those other guys, go ahead and go for him. You get a puncher's chance at a big play with him. <laughs> but he, if Cortland Sutton if Cortland Sutton has hands issues, um, he makes um, – he looks like, you know, basically <laughs> Jamar Chase or Jerry Rice compared <laughs> to Quentin Johnston's with some of his issues at this point. Quentin Johnston, I joke, is – Talladega Knights Ricky Bobby when he's getting interviewed going um I don't know what to do with my hands you know that's I'm always I'm always like eager to when I see an opportunity to get you to speak about something you care about I'm always eager to do that you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) well do you care about Melvin Gordon at all nah yeah yeah I don't I I, you know like 10 carries it was you know all right I'm just not I, I think more more, it's uh, it's 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 the the universe signaling me that that I should not be as enthusiastic about Gus Edwards on any given week that I might be. Yeah, it's Melvin Gordon was workmanlike. <laughs> At least he didn't fumble the ball yep. like Kenyon Drake, um, and Kenyon Drake's just too mercurial. Melvin Gordon's right. consistent, you know. Gus Kenyon Edwards. Drake was their leading fantasy scorer in the running back position for Baltimore last year. Think about yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. And here we go again, Zach Moss. Yes. Yes. All right, Look, man. Zach Moss is what Zach Moss is. Zach Moss is a guy who's going to be on the field like 90 plus percent of the time. He's going to get 90 percent of the workload of the running backs. And occasionally he's going to run a nice little wheel route and catch a touchdown pass, apparently. And apparently it seems like every time I see some a running back win on a wheel route, he's matched up against Patrick Queen <laughs> going all the way back to Najee Harris winning a wheel route, Alabama versus LSU against Patrick Queen. So I'm feeling wheel routes against Patrick Queen. The touchdown notwithstanding, though, Zach Moss has been consistently productive every start he's made going back to last year. Yeah, I think it's at least 18 carries. It's at least 80 80 yards from scrimmage or more. Touchdowns are possible. I think in a world where we live in where, you know, running backs getting that kind of volume are – are not necessarily the norm that he's probably easily overlooked in the shuffle. He runs hard, and if you're getting Zach Moss and you're using him right now, that's, One more week. that's all fine and well. Keep going with him. Right, and we'll then I happens. would just add Trey Sermon as the potential handcuff there who wasn't bad in, in relief in terms of what I saw no, we, thus far. We need, we need to see what's going to happen with Jonathan Taylor too yep. because, again, the talk is that the, the, the behind the scenes has calmed uh to to some degree so we'll we'll see what happens yeah i mean well winning can do that and when you have you know gardner Minshew's pretty darn good you can see as a reserve he's he's getting them in the right plays which it's gonna get you know taylor excited uh when he's watching that because he knows there's going to be better opportunities for him and of course anthony richardson uh, you'd want to play with that guy i would want to play yeah, with that guy. yeah exactly well, i like playing with this guy you know even, hey. even if yeah hey. uh, yeah hey. exactly hey. it's monday what can i tell you i get it that's the thing though i mean even on a monday dealing with you is okay Fuck Mondays. yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> love you bye love you, man